Welcome to the brand new season of For the Love of Books podcast featuring indie and small press authors with host Emma Palova. I would like to thank our sponsors, Doc Chavent and the Lowell Ledger, our hometown newspaper in Lowell, Michigan. Today, I will be chatting with author Ash Bishop, who will announce the details of his book giveaway of Intergalactic Exterminators at the end of the interview. Ash is a lifetime reader and a lifetime nerd, loving all things science fiction and fantasy. He has been a high school English teacher, worked in the video game industry, as well as in educational app development. Bishop currently produces script coverage for a major Hollywood studio, but he spends his best days at home in Southern California with his own wonderful wife and two wonderful children. Hello, Ash. How are you? Hey, Emma. I'm doing just fine. Thanks for having me on today. This is terrific. Great to have you. Well, tell us how you found this podcast show. Uh, well, my wife, uh, so I did a lot of work getting to this point in my career, and it seemed like it just started the second uh uh, I got the book published. In, in other words, suddenly I had a whole bunch of other things to do, like market myself and market my book and so on. Uh, but I was a little bit worn out. And so I sort of kicked the job over to my wife, or I guess I should say she took control of it. And uh, she's been really spearheading, uh, getting my name out there and getting my um, book out there. And she found your podcast and it had really good reviews and she appreciated the the work you'd done. So here I am. Okay, that's awesome. Okay, tell us, what kind of coffee does Quentin Tarantino drink? (laughs) (laughs) I tell you what, uh, it was mostly, I think, lattes. You know, he was kind of a a, a high, I don't want to say high strung because that has negative connotations, a high energy person. Uh, But mostly, I would just go down to the uh, coffee shop at the foot of Mulholland Drive where he lived. And they would already have the coffee waiting for me. So my whole job was just to grab it and bring it back to them. Oh, that is so cool. And yeah. you produce script coverage. Tell us a little bit about that, just a brief sentence. Sure. Um, so I work uh, on and off for a company called STX Entertainment. And basically, they send me scripts that they're considering producing. And I take a pass at them and say, you know, here's what I think. Uh, you know, I recommend, highly recommend, you know, don't recommend. Um, and then I write a synopsis of the um, script itself and then kind of a rundown of what I consider to be its strengths and weaknesses. Uh, so I'm I'm basically the first line of defense against bad movies. Do you like doing that? Oh, I love it. Yeah, it, it takes a lot of work. You know, I want to take care of being a writer myself. I I don't want to say no to somebody's hard work and somebody's dream. And so um, I kind of try and balance between being really fair and 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 trying to give people the chance that hopefully their work deserves. Um, but uh, yeah, I like it. And now to your debut book, Intergalactic Exterminators. First of all, congratulations. It just came out, right? Yep, on- yep. On the, uh, the 7th of this month. Okay, and I'm going to read one review that I really like. This book is so much fun, it ought to be illegal in all known galaxies. Ash Bishop has written a wildly imagined, deeply felt, 
swashbuckling page turner. I loved it. Jesse Kellerman, New York Times bestselling author of The Burning. That is a great review. Tell us a lot about your book. All right, give us a brief summary of the plot. Sure. So it's basically about a, a young man who is um, accidentally conscripted into a group of uh, municipal workers who work in space um, trying to control alien migration. Uh, another way of considering that is basically if aliens go into a uh, ecosystem that can't support them uh, and they start to destroy that ecosystem, then this group is uh, hired by the government to go in and relocate or eliminate the um, intrusive species. So uh, it's kind of like the elevator pitch, the quick elevator pitch is if your job was to basically uh, relocate or eliminate the predator from the predator movies uh, on a daily basis. It's a, it's a very dangerous job, um, but it's a, quite a bit of fun and a good adventure. I would love that job. <laughs> <laughs> what is your protagonist, Russ Wesley, like? Tell us about Russ. Sure. Uh, Russ is an interesting fella. He, he didn't go to college, um, and he's been kind of wandering around the world looking for ways to entertain himself and to kind of keep money in his pocket. But he's getting older, not older from my perspective, but older from his perspective. He's reaching the end of his 20s, and he's starting to realize that he hasn't really grown up yet. He hasn't taken on responsibility. He hasn't found a career. And he's feeling kind of bad about that. Um, and, and what bothers him even more is he doesn't have a lot of close connections or close family. Um, and so he actually goes back to visit his grandmother and she's in this situation where she really needs money. And that's how he ends up working for this uh, galactic uh, space group, um, basically to grow up a little bit and to help his grandma and to, and to make a difference, at least uh, uh, more than he's been making in the past. So it does have a human undertone, right? The story. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's pretty, I guess the word is heartfelt, um, mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, a lot of science fiction novels are kind of preoccupied with science <laughs> uh, and uh, spaced and, and all the all the goodies that lie therein. But my novel is at least a major, uh, at least 50 percent, if not the majority to do with the characters and and their needs and their arcs as they as they kind of grow up. That's great. What inspired you to write this novel? Uh, a lot of different things did. I I was a big fan of monster hunting. I really like um, Andrew Spousky's Witcher series, which is about a monster hunter. I really liked um, some aspects of uh, uh, Monster Hunter International, which was kind of a runaway hit a couple of years ago. And I wanted to have folks who had a blue collar job hunting monsters, but since both the uh, those books had done it so well already. I thought to myself, well, let's put it in space. Let's uh, you know, let's not make them monsters per se, but rather aliens that uh, are in an ecosystem that can't support them. And so it's a little bit more, a little bit less kind of simplistic than the other books. That's not that's not a fair word. It's a little bit less um, uh, black and white, I guess. Monsters versus humans. Um, uh, and a little bit more about kind of the science of uh, these different ecosystems and and how these monsters 
uh, our only monsters really because they've moved into a place that can't support them. When did you start writing? Oh boy, a long time ago. Um, my parents really encouraged me to write when I was young. I was a voracious reader uh, and I took my first creative writing class, I want to say in 1993 in college, my freshman year in college, and uh, never looked back. Now, if you do the math, that means it took me 29 years <laughs> to get published, uh, which is a lot. I wasn't writing that entire time. Um, I've written, I guess, five five full-length novels. I got an agent for my last one, but uh, she wasn't able to sell it. And then um, my agent, I got another agent for this most recent one, and she was able to successfully sell it. So okay. here I am. So this wasn't your first book, your debut book. You have written books before. You mentioned about Blue Collar. Uh, yeah, well, I've written... Um, yeah, I've written uh, five different books. Okay. Each one, I went through the whole process of trying to find an agent and trying to find a publisher. And uh, and over the course of four of those, it didn't work out, although I made a little bit more progress each time. And then this time, I landed uh, uh, an agent and a publisher. So uh, the, what's interesting is the last book, book number four, uh, was is actually going to be published now um, in summer of 2023. So I managed to find a, with the success of this book, I managed to find a publisher uh, uh, for the last book as well. So that was unexpected for you, right? <laughs> yep, absolutely. It's, uh, uh, they're very different books. You know, I changed my style quite a bit, but, um, but I love them both. So I'm really pleased that they're both seeing the, the shelves, so to speak. And you do write on your blog and on your website that you have no problem switching between different genres. A lot of uh, writers have a problem with that. Give us some tips. How do you do that? <laughs> How do you switch well, easily? Uh, you have to read a lot. You know, uh, um, part of the reason that I love so many different genres is because I've read them all. You know, I grew up um, reading Dragonlance novels. Uh, cover to cover uh, in the fantasy genre. And then I read, you know, a ton of science fiction. Um, and then my dad was a huge fan of mystery novels. And so he was always passing me his Robert B. Parker and John D. McDonald and, and Ed McBain and all these kind of classic mystery novels. And I just read them all and I loved them all. The, so that's the first thing you got to do. But the second thing is, if you center on your characters, like I, I tend to do, doesn't really matter what setting they're in because uh, the human element and the and the characters they're the things that draw in your reader, and so sometimes they're in space and sometimes they're on the streets of San Diego, uh, but uh, they're still characters and that's I think what hooks your reader and what keeps them going. I couldn't agree more. You're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how long did it take you to write this specific book? These exterminators. I love the title. That's a cool title. How did you come up with that? <laughs> uh, so I used to, you know, I used to teach English, and I like language quite a bit. Uh, I like the way vowels work together and all that. And what I realized about my title was I wanted to put the word intergalactic in it, but that was so many syllables, and I thought, well, this title is going to be long. And I thought, well. If I'm going to be long, I might as well go all the way. So I went with Intergalactic Exterminators Incorporated, possibly the record for most syllables in a three-word title. Um, 
I liked how uh, the sound of it, how it how it kind of wove together, and I liked all the all the different uh, syllables. Yeah. Um, uh, to answer your other questions about how long it took, I started this one in 2019, and mm-hmm. I sent it to my. It took me about eight months to write it, but it wasn't that good. I didn't. Uh, there was something wrong with it. I couldn't figure it out, and mm-hmm. so I sent it to my agent, and she said, "I like the first chapter. Do everything else again." <laughs> And uh, I didn't I didn't fully start over, but I did um, uh, rewrite quite a bit of it. So that took another maybe eight months and then it took a little while to sell it. And then my editor uh, for the publisher came in and said, change this, this, this and this. So writing is always a process of um, sort of constant revision and constant change. You've got a lot of different voices that each have ideas of what could make it better. It's not like a movie where you have literally, you know, dozens of people with their fingers in the in the pie, but mm-hmm. uh, it is still there are still other voices which uh, uh, come in and, and tell you they want changes. And I, I know there's a certain artistic integrity where you think, well, I want it to be my vision, but I'll be honest, each time a reader really cared about my novel and took the time to look at it closely and critique it, it made it better. So I really appreciate their um, input. And even though it took three years from start to publication, I I still think every step of the journey made it stronger. So what were some of the challenges in writing this book? Obviously, you mentioned some of them, the rewrites and all that. But specifically, when you had to deal with, with the protagonist, the plot, specifically the challenge. <laughs> Well, I'm not a great plotter in the sense that um, I get bored. You know, I set a plot and then I get bored uh, as I'm, I get bored of my own plot because I know what's going to happen. You know, one of the neat things about um, writing the other way, they call it pantsing, you know, by the seat of your pants, mm-hmm. is um, you are, there's a vibrancy and a, and a sort of vitality to the text because you, the reader, aren't even quite sure what's going to happen next. You know, you're not sure what you're, you, you, you have to stay true to your readers. You have to stay true to the, the physical realities of your world, but you don't know exactly how the reader, how the actors, the characters are going to respond to any circumstance. And now doing it that way is wonderful because it keeps me entertained. It keeps the language really crisp and, and like I said, vital. But um, the problem with it is, you'll write yourself into corners and you'll create material that you just can't use. And so um, there are times, I I think that's probably the biggest uh, challenge is taking more time than I would if I could just plot it out and then then write according to my preset plot. Um, uh, Because I have to sort of backtrack, make changes, um, uh, start over. Uh, I still prefer my method, but it's definitely a more challenging style. What do you feel you did right in this book, in Intergalactic Exterminators? What did you hit right on the nail? You got perfect, 100%. Sure. So I think I probably hit the tone right. I was trying, you know, I was trying to be playful and fun. I think that we have enough seriousness in our lives right now to not necessarily need uh, heavy duty um, uh, sort of drama rich material. And so I uh, wanted to take my characters on an adventure that they would really enjoy 
um, because I think the reader will enjoy that too. And that was the thing that I think I nailed best. Uh, folks who have been reading it keep telling me that they're just sort of laughing constantly. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate that because uh, it's hard to be funny organically. You can't force it. Okay. Um, and I think, I hope that I walked the line where uh, it's just a, a fun thing to read. Um, the other thing that I really like is there's a character in the novel who um, he's a robot and he connects with a, a central server in space to sort of do everything. Uh, it's his brain and he loses that connection. The connection gets severed. And so he's kind of stuck on Earth with no ability to do anything. And, but fortunately, he's stuck in a bookstore. And so he starts kind of voraciously reading the books. And it's an homage for me uh, to all the books that I loved growing up um, as he kind of uh, gains a personality and then a humanity that he didn't have before because he's forming his personality from the books he's reading. Now, that's not necessarily the best thing to do if you're reading you know, Fifty Shades of Grey or uh, the Anarchist Cookbook, you know, uh, but um, that's all part of his education. Mm -hmm. And that character turned out to be quite a bit of fun. I mean, every sci-fi story has to have its its robots. Uh, mine's just really unique in the sense that he has to reset and then learn how to be a human by reading our books. What would you have done differently? Uh, I don't know, you know, when I read it still as kind of a perfectionist, I still find things that I want to change, <laughs> even when I'm reading it out loud, as I will do later in this podcast, I'll get to sentences and I'll be like, ah, I should have tightened that up or I should have fixed that. But I worked on it for three years. You know, I can't I couldn't keep working on it um, because there is never there would never be a time when I would finally sit back and think. Yay, I'm I'm finished, you know. Uh -huh. So I guess uh I guess the thing I would do differently would be uh to relieve myself of the guilt of of trying to make it constantly yeah. perfect. Um and and accept that yeah, accept that it's finished. Uh, an author friend of mine said to me recently, perfection is the enemy of finished. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I and I totally agree. Um at some point you have to say it's done. What have you learned about yourself from writing this book? Ooh, good question. I don't I don't know the best answer to that in regards to the writing. I mentioned earlier that my wife took over the marketing. Mm -hmm. I have definitely learned that I'm pretty introverted. I know that sounds strange to be here uh, chatting with you on the uh, on the podcast, but I really like to be quiet and be by myself. <laughs> And uh, that's why I love to read. And that's why I love to write. And the uh, aspects of marketing, the um, uh, book signings and and mm -hmm. all of that, it's uh, a lot for me. And it's not like I don't like them. I, I actually come back from them totally thrilled. And, and part of the reason I wanted to be an author was so people would like my art. Um, and this is the way to get it out there and to spread it. But I definitely learned that like, the the marketing aspect is for extroverts uh and i am not an i am not an extrovert so would you do it all over again <laughs> heck yeah uh in fact I, in fact i'm working on a sequel right now uh, i'm about 70 70 pages into a sequel of intergalactic exterminators 
And uh, it's so exciting. It's so much fun to be back in the world with these characters that I've grown to love. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I would like to do it until people force me to stop. Okay. So That's absolutely. <laughs> what are the major takeaways from Intergalactic Exterminators Incorporated? So I get the whole <laughs> title right. <laughs> All the syllables. Uh, the major takeaways are probably, um, I know this sounds simplistic, but probably to be kind to each other. The, there's a, One of the things I was kind of noticing about our culture is the way that we tend to use online to, to get after each other. In fact, mm -hmm. um, so, you know, when I do get a negative review, the reviews have been uh, really positive, but when I do get a negative one, I'm always like, ah, oh, that hurts. Um, and I understand, uh, I don't mind. I want them to give me their, their real opinion, but, um, but I also want folks to be kind to each other and to recognize kind of uh, the journey that, it, that everyone else is on. There's a particular villain in my in my book, and instead of being punished, well, I don't want to give too many spoilers, but let's just say um, instead of hating and killing each other, they they grow to understand each other uh, uh, at least a little bit, and uh, that's I think a, a good lesson um, for all of us. What is the most interesting or bizarre thing that has ever happened to you during an in-person author event? <laughs> Something that you will never, ever forget. <laughs> I, I don't think I have an answer to this one. I, you know, the book only came out on the 7th, so I, I'm only at uh, three weeks into this process. Uh, and so far, everyone's been very kind. There are it is sometimes a little bit strange what people ask me to sign. It's not unusual, but um, uh, but there's that. But no, everyone has been really nice and kind. And uh, the companies that I've been signing with or the, you know, I've been at Barnes & Noble and some independent bookstores, and they have been just so generous with their uh, facilities and their um, uh, their time and their and setting things up. So, so far, I, I probably will have an answer to that question <laughs> before the year is up. But so far, it's been really nice. Good to hear. What's next for Ash in 2022? We're still in it, right? There's <laughs> yep, almost, <laughs> almost to the last part of it. Yeah. Um, well, as I said, I'm going to finish up the sequel. I've got some work to do on that, and I'm again, I'm trying to keep with my plot as much as I can to not drag out the experience. Um, and, and then I've got my previous book. It's called The Horoscope Writer. Uh, a book I wrote previously, mm -hmm. and it's coming out in uh, summer of 2023 from Camp Cat Books in uh, hardback and uh, and audio and all that. And I'm really excited about that one. So that's not quite uh, 2022, but I've been in the last stages of revising it um, for eventual publication. Good. All right. Would you like to read to us, Ash? <laughs> sure. Sure. So I'll set this up a little bit. One of the things about my main character is he's pretty reckless. You know, he doesn't grow up all at once. And he has um, essentially stepped unknowingly into an intergalactic gate, which has transported him to an unknown planet. And it's not a very hospitable planet. And he doesn't really even know what he's done until he gets there. So this begins um, as he kind of teleports onto this new, this new place that he's never been before. Oh, one quick thing. He's got cookies in his pocket because his grandmother has cooked, has baked him some cookies 
and left them. He's been working on her bookstore. He's been fixing it up. And she's left him out for him to eat while he works. Um, and so he has cookies in his pocket. All right. So here we go. Chapter 11. Russ sucked at the air, but it felt like he was trying to draw a breath through a long, thin straw. The sickening sound of wheezing filled his ears, and he was startled to realize he was the one making it. With each heavy breath, his lungs ached and his chest shook. His hands, covered in a film of white dust, pounded at his own chest. Somehow, he was outside, kneeling on a darkened hillside. I could die here, he realized. Soon. With trembling hands, he fumbled his cell phone out of his pocket and switched on the flashlight. He heard a noise, something fairly large dragging itself across a nearby rock. Russ pointed his phone in the direction of the sound. A medium-sized creature, maybe 40 pounds total, stared back at him with large, dilated eyes. The creature perched on the top of the ridge, blinking hastily and throwing up a claw to ward off the unwelcome light. It opened its mouth and burped out a small screech that was half bird, half rodent. Russ lowered the light, shining it on the deep black granite boulder that the winged creature stood on. The rat bird continued to squawk indigently at Russ. Sorry, big guy, Russ gasped. He didn't dare switch off the light completely. He couldn't tell if the bird was predator or prey, and he sure as hell wasn't going to simply hope for the best. As he felt himself easing back into a defensive stance, Russ was hit with a spasm of coughing, the obvious result of the thin air. The creature squawked again. Sorry, Russ grasped gasped. I won't hurt you if you promise to keep those claws away from me. He was using his most soothing voice. It seemed to reach the creature. It cocked its head like a bird, staring at him warily from its huge right eye. Russ glanced around, turning slowly in a circle. He was going to need to find more oxygen-rich air somehow, but without a moon in the sky, everything beyond the light of his cell phone was shade shaded in a haze of semi-darkness. He turned around to examine the tube structure. He ran his hands over the device, looking for some way to activate it. He found the cradle at the top where the open stone went, but it was empty, and the stone he had had was still in the storage room back on Earth. Russ heard more scraping, and he swiveled the light in another 180-degree motion. A second set of huge eyes popped into view. It was another bird rodent. It shuffled next to the first, and they both looked at Russ, their expressions a comic exaggeration of distrust. Russ patted the front of his pants to show he was unarmed, and he felt the squish of Norma's homemade cookies. He carefully drew one of the cookies out and held it in front of the creature. This is a special recipe, he told the creatures, only available in Wyoming. Russ broke off an edge of the cookie and tossed it onto the rock ledge where the birds sat. Both aliens looked at the crumbs, their eyes wide with fear. Maybe you could tell me where civilization is, Russ asked the creatures. Buildings? Oxygen? Russ saw no sign of intelligence in either animal's eyes. Then the second bird creature craned its face forward and snapped the cookie off the ledge, gobbling it down in a single motion. Russ was still searching his face. He saw the creature's eyes shift suddenly from distrust to immediate clawing hunger. Russ tossed a second part of the cookie and the creature caught it, its razor-sharp beak slicing through the thin air. Suddenly, the other creature was moving closer, its eyes large, appealing. There was a rustling of wings, then a third bird creature appeared, then a fourth, and a fifth. Russ took a step back until his shoulders touched the frame of the tube structure. The bird rodents pressed forward, leaping over and around their granite ledge, cooing in a discordant melody. The one in front of Russ had the courage to snatch at what was left of the cookie in Russ's hand, and Russ felt its beak slice into his palm, opening a long cut. He instinctively jerked the food and his injured hand in the other direction. The creature's eyes narrowed, its head bobbing to follow his hand. Its, its expression said, 
You owe me the rest of the cookie. Why aren't you cooperating? The creature's cooing brought more scraping and more bird rats. Russ felt dizzy from the thin air, but he managed to snap the second cookie into 10 or so pieces and hurtle them away. The pack of creatures flew after the pieces, smashing against each other, snarling and snapping. Russ knew instinctively that he only had a few seconds before the creatures would return, demanding more sugary goodness. This is it, he thought. I'm going to die here, pecked to death by an angry mob of alien scavenger rat pigeons. I'll leave you, I'll leave you hanging there, so you've got to pick up the book to, to learn more. Chocolate chip cookies? <laughs> In my mind, they were just regular sugar sugar cookies, but, you know, whatever you, whatever you prefer. You never know. Okay, can you announce the details of your book giveaway? Sure. So my email is ashbishopwrites, W-R-I-T-E-S, at gmail.com, ashbishopwrites at gmail.com. And the first person to email me um, with the uh, uh, key phrase uh, monster hunter will um, get a free copy. So I'll send it right to your house uh, signed. If you want to have it um, personalized with a message, I, I'd be happy to do that as well. Okay. Can you repeat for us one more time your email? Yes, it's Ash Bishop writes. So A-S-H-B-I-S-H-O-P-W-R-I-T-E-S at gmail.com. Okay, great. Parting shots. You first, Ash. You're my guest. <laughs> uh, nope. I, I just want to say thank you for having me. It's always, you know, despite my um, uh, introvert, introverted nature, it's really been a pleasure to meet you. And uh, and I appreciate everything you've done to help me get my book out there to the world and, uh, and uh, hopefully share it with people that will enjoy it. Well, this was fun. We wish you good luck and read indie, buy indie, and write indie. Support your local authors, newspapers, and small presses. Keep your fingers on the keyboard and your butt in the chair. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>